Rick is teaching from Luke 10, 25 through 37 today. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, Good morning. Uh, I am super excited to uh, to share what God has shared with me this week. Um, it's a uh, I was talking to Josh earlier. Um, one of the cool things about being a pastor is getting to wrestle with a passage like throughout the week, and this is one that has been that for me. Um, just kind of thinking through this the notion of, of what God I think has for us today, um, and it kind of starts out with a Brennan Manning quote. You might uh, be familiar with it. Brennan Manning says this, uh, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Um, and, and I've always thought about this quote from a um, self-righteous perspective in that... Um, like, I go and sin like everybody else sins um, and, and do whatever I want to do. And I think that's, that's where, where I go in my mind immediately when I read this quote. But I think there's more to it than that. I think um, the depth of what Manning is getting at is living a life as Christ lived a life. And, and that doesn't just mean not sinning. Um, it means loving, serving, um, teaching, sacrificing uh, that's who Christ was. Last week we talked about, you guys remember, uh, I talked about the movie Vacation, right? Do you remember that? Um, and how their ultimate destination was, where were they going? They were going to Wally World. Yeah. So, but along the way, they're making stops to go see uh, Cousin Eddie, right? Um, great stop that was. Uh, picked up Aunt Edna along the way and then lost Aunt Edna along the way. Um, and the world's largest ball of twine, and the Grand Canyon, all these other stops. And the idea was that Christ had a single mission. His getting to Wally World was to reconcile sinners to himself. We learned that from Colossians 1 last week. But along the way, he was acting out of his character by doing things, engaging the world, acting out of his character. And that's the kind of the the heart of where we're going to be this morning, watching Jesus 
engage the world around him, flowing out of his character. And never is there a better example than the story of the Good Samaritan. So uh, let's, let's dig into the story of the Good Samaritan and look for Jesus. Again, he is on a path, and that path is to give his life and die, but along the way teaching about loving and serving and living that out. Verse 27 that Kelly just read, And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to whom you have answered correctly, Do this and you will live. But desiring to justify himself, he said, Who is my neighbor? So who is this guy's neighbor? That's the question. What does it look like to love your neighbor? Um, so uh, gotten into the habit of, of asking non-rhetorical questions. So um, let's ask this question. Let's, let's discuss it. Let's think about it. Talk about it today. Um, what does it look like to love your neighbor? Not rhetorical. What does that look like for you? Don't make me. Shovel driveways. Perfect. Exactly right. That's great. What else? What, what else does it look like? What, what other things does it look like to love your neighbor? Rake leaves. Looks like Abram is the only guy here who loves his neighbor well, or at least knows what he's doing when he's loving his neighbor. All right? Yeah, that's good. Um, you're going to start hearing things about affordable Christmas coming up. We've done that the last couple of years, doing it again this year, and we've posted a few things on Facebook. That's a great opportunity to, to love your neighbor, to give to that, to serve in that, to um, engage with people around you in that. Um, yeah, anybody else? Want to break the awkward silence? Taking food to people, making cookies. Yes, I'm married to one who does that well. Um, both of those things. <laughs> yes, some of you enjoyed the benefit of that uh, this week. <clears throat> so, uh, what is, for for Christ here in this story? He, I, I want, I want to. You'll you'll hear me say this a lot this morning, and this is where I, I want to kind of leave us with is to, to see people. <clears throat> and I, I think that's, that's super important for us as we seek to love our neighbors, as we seek to be who Jesus was, living on a mission, living out of, out of the character that God has given to us, that Christ has given to us. It's, it's to see people in the middle of their, their difficulty, their hardship. And I've, I've been asked this question a lot, living in Ferguson, what's it look like to What's, what's the difference? What's going on in your city um, from people outside of the city and from, from people that are around the St. Louis region? What does it look like to live in Ferguson? And I say this, I think that there are more people now that see each other than before all of the stuff that happened on, on both sides of the racial divide. White people are seeing black people more and black people are seeing white people more. But I think the, the idea is to see them. And, and more than that is to to see them means to, to develop a compassion for, for other people, for your neighbor. So Jesus saw people. He loved people. He served them. He sacrificed for them. But this is, I think, one of the, the underlying things that he does here in this passage is that he ignores a cultural barrier. Uh, to, to love your neighbor is to ignore cultural barriers. So 
Uh, go to, to verse 30. <clears throat> Jesus replied, uh, telling a story about making his point about who his neighbor was. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Our world is this world. I think one of the things that I've, I've seen and been encouraged by throughout this week is this idea that like Jesus is telling a story that made sense in the context of his world. And what happened was a mugging took place. And people ignored that. So, like, there's nothing new in our world that is not the reality that, that Jesus is in. Our world is their world. This world with its hardships and crime and difficulty is not at all new. It's full. It's always been full of sin and crime and bad people doing bad things to one another and, and bad leadership and bad governmental leadership. And it's just true all throughout Scripture and all throughout the course of, of modern history. Uh, verse 31. <clears throat> now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Like, this is... This, this verse ought to make us really, really angry. If you ever see me pass by on the other side, grab me by the throat. This is, like, th this verse is the absolute heart of Brennan Manning's quote. The single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, a priest, and deny him with their lifestyle. To go to the other side is awful. And I, I think... Like, let's be real and honest with each other and say that we, we can do this when, when living out the character of Jesus in our world makes us feel weird or uncomfortable or, or hurt or have to suffer. We're going to walk on the other side. It's a natural response for us, and we do it a lot. Um, I do it a lot. Here's an example. My wife and I like to go to pie in the Central West End. And for dinner on date nights. And when we come home, we come home like straight up Kings Highway, hit 70, and then take 70 to Florissant Road and, and go home that way. Every time on a Friday or Saturday night at the corner of Kings Highway and 70 is at least one homeless guy begging for money. And it dawns on me, I'm in the middle of a date. I don't want to have to deal with this. It dawns on my wife at the restaurant, I need to have some cash to give to this guy when we stop because he's going to be there. And that's a, that's a dichotomy of, of the, the truth of where we are and what, how we live. Like, and, and if you're honest with yourself, there's probably something in your world where you have an opportunity today or this week or consistently to be a neighbor to someone and you're not. But if we truly are engaged with Christ, that changes in us. Skip to verse 32. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. 
You guys have probably heard this message before and heard this statement before, but a Samaritan was someone who was not supposed to engage with the Jewish person. They were, uh, there was deep racism that was there between Jews and Samaritans. And Jesus, this, this isn't a story that happened. This is a story that Jesus is telling. And he chooses to make the Samaritan the good neighbor. He chooses to make the one who his hearers would have racist thoughts against the hero of the story. Because, I think, Jesus is that oppressed leader. He is that feeling racism leader. Do we realize that the Jews, when Jesus came to the earth, were ruled by, as a client state by Rome? Rome had all the power and any power that any Jewish person had was only because Rome allowed them to have it for a temporary season. There was all, everything that we're hearing about privilege in our world and we're learning about privilege in our world and we're learning about the privilege that we have and we have oppressed with in our world, that was true of Rome towards Jews in this culture, in this age. And Jesus decided to be born into that oppression. Jesus was born to a teenage unwed mother who was Jewish. He was born into an oppressed culture. Jesus is from an oppressed culture people group. Um, I want to bring some, some things about the character of Jesus that are present here from this verse 33. First, he's from an oppressed people group. And second, Jesus is love. He personifies and embodies love. And it's the call. When, so when Jesus engages people, teaching moments as he is here and leading them to act in a certain way, he is living out of his character of love. And he also serves and he also teaches. Verse 34, Jesus really is the Samaritan here. What does a Samaritan do? He is acting as, as Christ would act. Verse 34, he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. What does Jesus do in our world? He sacrifices and he helps. What does it mean to be a neighbor? These, these are very real, very specific things for us to do. And, I, and I, I want us and need us to begin to understand Christ in this story, the Samaritan in the story, and then go and be that. Living our mission, but living out of the character that Christ has placed in us. And that looks like finding, seeking out, exegeting our culture, thinking about what our culture needs, the questions that it's asking, and then meet those needs just as Christ has done in his life and as he's teaching here about being a good neighbor. If we want to earn the right to proclaim the name of Jesus, we need to act like him. And here in this story, he is sacrificing, he is giving of what he has to better someone else. Is that the, like, the, the perfect example, the, like the Sunday school answer of who Jesus was? He gave himself to better somebody else. And that's the call for us. Think about, I want, as, as I'm talking this morning, I want you to begin to consider people around you that God has brought into your world and into your life that you can engage with this. Because the fact is, this is Jesus teaching how to be real, how to be in this world, how to serve, how to love, how to sacrifice. And I guarantee you, you shouldn't have to think very hard to find someone in your world that he's calling you to be a neighbor in this manner for. And that doesn't mean something that doesn't cost you. 
This, is, this man, the Samaritan man, and this, he, he basically gave this man an incomplete day and gave him his animal and gave him food and gave him shelter and then paid for his hospital visit. This is a big deal. Verse 35. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when you come back. Lastly, Jesus gives. Um, and this is, this is so simple, you guys. This, to, to give of, of what God has given to you to engage your community is, is really pretty, pretty simple. Um, and it's, it's something, one of our, this, this reminds me of, of one of our values. Truth, people, God are our values. You guys know that. Um, and, and we have sought as a church from the beginning, we're almost 10 years old, to, to love and know people. And we've done this well sometimes. We've done this poorly sometimes. And I, I'm, I'm about to read from our values that show up on, on our website and on our literature and all that stuff, what it means to value people. And, and I want to say before I do that we fail at this a lot. And so just because it's a value of ours doesn't mean we hit the mark every time. But it is a, an upward call for our heart and for our lives and what we want to be about. It says we value people in two groups. Those who have relationships with God and those who do not. Every person that you and I know is loved by God. Jesus died for them. I want to stop and read that again and think about your world. Think about the less thans in your world. Think about those who are not as privileged as you are. Think about those that are around you that have need that you're very aware of. Every person that you and I know is loved by God and Jesus died for them. Man, this... uh reading that for a second time and thinking about the dude at King's Highway in 70 breaks my heart for my sin towards him. From those who make you angry or sad to the closest of friends, Jesus died for people. North Church will value people. Every human being has a beating heart and a story that makes them who they are. They all say stupid things and do stupid things and hurt people. But at the end of the day, they have a soul that will be with God forever or apart from him forever. North Church will value people. And again, we do this well sometimes. We do this very poorly sometimes. Um, But our goal is to love people in this capacity. And the story that Jesus is telling gets right to the heart of it. Um, So I want to ask another non-rhetorical question. Uh, Two of them, actually. Why don't we love our neighbors? So why don't we love our neighbors? Absolutely. It's easier to love ourselves. Yeah. It's not only easier, but it's it's superficially more fun. Superficially. Why why else don't we love? Fear of rejection. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Inconvenient. Yeah. Like that, just that that notion is just so awful, right? 
to know that there's a, a, a human being with a beating heart that's going to spend an eternity with God or apart from God. And whether we engage them or not is rooted in our convenience. Man. Um, one of the things that, that I wrote here was we just don't understand that loving them is the most joy-giving thing that we can do. We just don't understand it. Um, second question, non-rhetorical, is why do we love? When we love, when we do this well, why? What's happening? <clears throat> It's interesting that the quickest answers came for the don't question. We empathize with their, with their needs. Yeah, that's what I was talking about, seeing them. Yeah. What else? Um... I'll save you and, and answer, this, answer the question uh, with this idea. We must identify God's interest in people. Identify with God's interest in people. Um, Oswald Chambers, let's press into that idea. Not original to me. It's, it comes from Oswald Chambers. He says, to be a disciple means that we deliberately identify ourselves with God's interests in other people. To be a disciple means we deliberately identify ourselves with God's interests in other people. What is God's interest in you? Like we can identify with that. We can connect with that. When we see people from that standpoint, it, it, it gets back to what we, you know, in, in our value for, for loving and knowing people is to Understand that every person that we ever encounter is loved by God and died for by God. Deliberately identifying ourselves with God's interest in other people. Uh, John Ryan, a friend and pastor in O'Fallon, says this about that Oswald Chambers quote. Identifying with God's interests means we will see how precious people are to God. That's, that simple phrase is the whole point of, of of Jesus teaching this and us learning from this. And, and this whole message is, is right down to this one simple sentence. Identifying with God's interest means we will see how precious people are to God. When we see this clearly, we will not be bound up in condemnation or judgment, but we'll see people with God's eyes with the potential for healing, wholeness, and fulfilled longings. Our prayers will not merely be about the needs of our families and churches, but the lost souls of those around us. That's really good. And, and the heart of what Jesus is teaching. Again, remember, the point of where we're going, kind of the, the banner over this, is Jesus on a mission to be at the cross, to die for you and I. Along the way, living out his character. God has given you a very specific purpose and mission for your life. And along the way, the details with, that you you live with, that, that flow out of you, are the character that God has placed in you. And the character that God has placed in you is to be interested in other people, just like Chambers and Ryan just said. One more thing 
to say here. One more quote. It is absolutely essential for you to see the dearness of man in the eyes of God because man is created by him according to his image. Come back here. This, is, this gets to the heart of, of what Watchman Nee is saying here. You must be a person who loves all people before you can go into their midst and serve them with the gospel. Let us see the lovableness and value of human beings before God. This is the heart of what Jesus is getting at here. And this is the heart of even this, this whole series. The point of it is, is, is here in this story of the Samaritan to, to see Jesus poking at a, a self-righteous man and saying, this is who you are called to be, to love, to serve, to give your life away, to have the character that I have given to you. And, and that's the, the truth of the matter is, is you are not capable of this in yourself. But God has given it to you through his spirit to go and be and do this. And then he ends with verses 36 and 37. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. All right, so I've been talking for 25, 30 minutes or so about loving people and serving people as Christ loved and served them. And it we've gotten a little bit deep in, in thinking through philosophical things. But at the last thing that Jesus says here in this story is a really, really simple thing. Go and do likewise. So go and do likewise. Don't complicate things. And I, my, before you guys got here this morning, I'm walking through and among these chairs praying for this moment. Praying for, for these, these minutes that we have together. That God would bring someone very tangible. That you would see their face, hear their name, know their need, and, and live out of the character of God and enter into that situation and love in that capacity. It's, it's why you're here. You say that? Let me say that again. It's why you're here. It's why you're still taking breaths. You're, you're an eternal being. The majority of that eternity will be spent apart from God in hell or with God in heaven. So there's really very little point to what's happening on this planet. Apart from what you do with this. Do you, do, do you get that? Do you, can we see this message, this story that Jesus is telling in light of the fact that we're eternal beings and the 70 or so years that you'll spend on this planet don't amount to a hill of beans in light of eternity? So the, the purpose that you're still taking breaths on this earth is to do this and be this, to live out the character of God in your world. But again, why don't we love? We sin, we're selfish, it's inconvenient. It's, it's the truth of what's real about us. So we fall on our face and ask God for the mercy to come in, into us so that we might live this out in our planet, in our world. It's really, really simple. 
Jesus is brilliant at taking the deep and making it simple. Go and do likewise. So again, I'm walking in and among these chairs before you get here this morning and praying. God, would you show us what it looks like to go and do likewise? So let's pray. And we're going to sing some songs. And I encourage you to grab a journal, grab a piece of paper, or grab another person. Or pray between you and God to think about what this looks like for you. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your son Jesus and his perfect example of loving people, serving people, teaching people, sacrificing for people. I thank you for his perfect example of of an undivided, undivided, laser-focused mission to go and die on the cross for the sins of all of man. But I thank you for his perfect example of living out your character here on this earth. God, I pray that the truth of Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan would hit us in a deep way in the, the recesses of our beings, of our souls, in the most real of ways that it might inspire us to, to live as Christ lived, to live as the Samaritan in the story lived. God, I pray for our community groups that will engage this story, engage this conversation, engage this stuff, Father, that we would, would be real with each other and, and our response would be to be as the Samaritan was, living, loving, serving, teaching, sacrificing, giving. God, make it so among us that we would go and do likewise. God, our world is ripe it's obvious that our world is so ripe, God, to proclaim this message, desperately seeking your son Jesus and his character. That people would love and show mercy. God, may we be that people. Oh, may we be that people. In Christ's perfect name, I pray. Amen.